Hear that? It's the sound of you catching up on all the latest and greatest fintech news, trends, and updates thanks to Streetworthy, Yield Street's bi-weekly newsletter. Stay in the know with CEO Melinda Mahiri as he takes a closer look at what's happening in the fintech space, then breaks down what each story could mean for investors like you. Give your portfolio the edge it deserves and subscribe to Streetworthy on LinkedIn today. Welcome to The Yield, the official podcast of Yield Street. Every week, we bring you the latest market insights across our asset classes and products from subject matter experts. Our aim is to break the outdated mold of investing and help you add financial fuel to your ambitions through innovative investing products and strategies, typically unavailable to most investors. Realize your next level with The Yield. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. The views you are about to hear do not necessarily reflect the views of Yield Street. This podcast is intended to be strictly informational and is not intended to be and should not be construed as a research report, investment advice, or the offer or sale of securities or any investment product. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to today's Yield Street Athena Art Finance webinar. Uh, so thank you all so very much for taking the time to join us uh, for today's discussion and what we are calling the revolution of the art market. And the revolution is parentheses and a little r. Um, and, and the structure of the discussion is really intended to be candid and conversational. So I would honestly, I'd really encourage you to drop in these questions in the Q&A if you have them. I will do my very best to make sure that we, we get these questions answered. And if we miss anything during the webinar, please know that we'll follow up shortly after with an email. So in case we have not met before, my name is Noah Kupferman, and I'm the director of the business development here at Athena Art Finance at Yield Street. And it is my pleasure to host this webinar and to moderate this very, what I think will be a very interesting discussion today between Cynthia Sachs, the CEO of Athena Art Finance, and Noah Davis specialist in post-war and contemporary art at Christie's here in New York. And notably, Noah is the specialist in charge of the recent online auction of a work by the digital artist known as Beeple for perhaps an astounding $69.3 million. Full disclosure, before we get started, look, when we first started planning this webinar, our topic for discussion was honestly, it was slightly different. The focus of the discussion is a very interesting and important story that's going on in the art market right now about an iconic painting by an artist named that many of you will know uh, named Jean-Michel Basquiat that's coming up for auction next week. And what makes this story so interesting is that this auction will not take place in New York. It will not take place in London, but in fact, it'll take place in Hong Kong. And this work will not be offered along with many other masterpieces by many other master artists, but in fact, it will be offered as a single lot auction. And with an estimate of 30 to $40 million, this work is poised to become the most valuable Western artwork ever offered in Asia. So there are a lot of interesting things going on in this story. And in this singular event, that upcoming sale, also at Christie's, I might add, it illustrates many of the compelling and important issues in our market today. And we certainly look forward to tackling these issues in upcoming webinars, because you see, in the midst of planning that webinar, a non-fungible token sold at Christie's. And by all accounts, it was a quite a successful sale, to put it quite mildly. 
And in the final moments of bidding alone, there were 22 million people who logged on to the Christie's website. There's bidding from 11 different countries for this work. And when the digital hammer finally came down, the final selling price, again, was just under $70 million. It would appear that the digital disruption that we have all been talking about has finally arrived to the art market. And friends, it has arrived with something of a vengeance. <laughs> so, Noah Davis, what exactly sold at Christie's last week for 69 million and change? Uh, well, Beeple's first 5,000 entries in his now 13 years strong every day's project sold as a non-fungible token. The non-fungible token, the NFT, is essentially just a long series of letters and numbers um, that is written into the Ethereum blockchain. It is a block on the chain. Um, that is the heart and soul of the artwork, but it is represented metaphorically by the image, the giant monolithic epic collage of every image, warts and all, from uh, Mike's really insane everyday's projects so far. The collage is organized to be aesthetically pleasing. It is not organized strictly chronologically, but you can tell when he's shifting between his more irreverent and juvenile and, and frankly really problematic earlier voice towards his now much more polished and highly digital political commentary and, and commentary on pop culture. I think of him as kind of a honoré domier for, for better or worse of the 21st century. So really what we were selling was the first 13 years of this ongoing everyday's project. And uh, it was facilitated by NFT technology. So the heart and soul of the artwork rests in the NFT, but it is not entirely the artwork, if you catch my drift. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so you touch on something that I think has been, quite honestly, has baffled a lot of people who are not inside of this market, which is the, the distinction between the artwork created by this digital artist who is known, I mean, his name is Mike Winkleman, but he goes by the nom de guerre, <laughs> nom de plume of Beeples. So, but that's separate and distinct from what you're talking about, this thing, non-fungible token, NFT, right? But the, the, the press or the, the media around this has really just been focused on this thing, NFT, NFT, and not the artwork. So uh, if you could sort of unpack kind of the distinction maybe between these two things, how we can sort of think about it to get our arms around it. Yeah, I mean, so the, the artwork and the NFT are one and the same, but they're also different. It's one of those conundrums, right? It's a paradoxical sort of relationship. I like to think of it as we sort of auctioned off Schrodinger's cat, or we auctioned off the sound of a tree falling in the forest when no one's around to hear it. It's, it's one of those really complicated chicken and the egg sort of debacles. But it's actually really simple when you think about blockchain technology and how it works. What NFT does, it, um, it does very many things, but it establishes scarcity of an asset. It is non-fungible in the sense that it, it cannot be duplicated. It cannot change in any way. And it also cannot be squirreled away. 
we, everybody will know where the token is at any given moment. And trust me, journalists have been asking a lot of really interesting questions about the movement of the token, trying to dig up dirt, figure out some sort of uh, shady deal that might have happened in the background, which is totally nonsensical. The blockchain is like, uh, who was it? George Washington, it can't lie. It's, it, it can't lie. It, there, there is no, it's impossible to, to lie. <laughs> Um, if it chops down the cherry tree, you know. So here we are. It's, it's this it's this technology that is really blowing up the traditional notions of all sorts of collectibles. I think every kind of cultural asset that has a collectible quality is going to be affected by NFT. It's, it's a really, really interesting space to be in. Mm -hmm. mm. That's really, that's fascinating. So, so basically what you're saying is block, if, if blockchain technology had existed in the 18th century, we would know whether or not George Washington had actually chopped down that cherry tree or not. <laughs> I mean, if the act had been tokenized, then yeah, it would be, it would be indelibly inscribed in the blockchain. True. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Got it. It's really fascinating. And, and it, it just feels like we're on the cusp of something that is just so uh, incredibly different from where we've been. Um, and, can, I, and, can I actually, can I challenge that just really, really quickly? Oh, uh, please. Yes, absolutely. It's funny. I, of course, leading up to this sale, we did a whole media blitz for, for people. And I was, I was interviewed by everybody from NPR to the Today Show. So you have the, the like wonks and the very not wonks. And the, uh, the Today Show folks were, were asking me again and again to dumb it down for them for their audience, as they should, because, you know, this is going to be like neophytes uh, tuning in, grandmas and grandpas. So the host asked me to explain NFTs to him like he was a child. And I had this really interesting sort of distorted moment. It was, it was like an epiphany. Like, if I was explaining NFTs to your child, I would just say Fortnite skin, and they'd get it immediately. <laughs> Digital asset for young people is not new. It's not, it's not revolutionary. In fact, it's very much status quo. I think of the beginning of the pandemic when everybody flocked to Animal Crossing and even uh, young adults and, and older adults, maybe you even know I had an island, I don't know, but everyone seemed to be on Animal Crossing and they were spending so much time in this digital world. That boundary between real experience and virtual experience and the value that we ascribe to each of them, it was totally, totally dissolved all of it out the window. Um, and uh, there's a, a sense of inevitability to that. I think that the, the pandemic sped that up, but have we been preparing for this moment in ways for the last decade? I think so. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. So Cynthia, I, I would like to sort of, uh, to, to draw you in, in, into the conversation, which is that, you know, so we're, we're, we're talking to Noah Davis, obviously, who has been giving us sort of a, Kind of a you know a crypto art uh, 101 primer on, on 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 what all this means. So I, I guess the basic idea. My my question for you is: so what do you think? I mean, what does this mean for for you as someone who's really who's on the cusp of finance in in asset based lending using art as a form of collateral? Um, are are we going to be lending against NFTs anytime soon? <laughs> uh, well, first, let me say thank you, Noah and Noah, Noah squared. Great. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Um, 
So, and, 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 and in, in this conversation, so listen, I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be involved in the art market. Um, and while I would love to say yes, you know, the fact that we would love to, you know, be involved right now, quite frankly, you know, as a lender, it's just a bit too early, uh, to truly understand the trading and pricing dynamics behind these NFTs without any real right now understanding of any methodology or valuation, um, it would be premature for us to lend against these NFTs at this time, just from a risk perspective, right? However, I say that, but as this market evolves and becomes more mature with an understanding of true valuation, a framework, higher levels of confidence and volatility. And Noah, I'd love to hear your views on volatility here. Oh yeah. $70 million of, of NFT in one, in one digital artwork. Um, listen, I think if we could ultimately get comfortable with that, then sure. I mean, absolutely the market, if we can adequately justify the investment thesis that we could ultimately lend into this. And I think it's exciting because there are a lot of issues that NFT solves for, um, with regards to lending into the art market or just having a high level of confidence around artworks. So I think it's a massive paradigm shift and, you know, just all 2020 where we are today with Noah's sale, I just can't even believe the, the amazing transformation that the art market has gone through. Because quite frankly, when I entered this business back in 2015, coming from other asset classes, I was blown away actually at how nascent and in the dark ages, quite frankly, the art market was relative to other asset classes. And now it feels like they just leapfrogged dramatically over so many other asset classes. So like, where are we today? We're kind of a little bit ahead of ourselves, you know, over our skis a bit, but I think we'll bring it back and we're now going to find our footing. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, wh where it goes. Um, and Noah, you might have a view on that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the volatility thing is really interesting. And I, I think that this space, and of course, we're, we're talking about this space. It's, it's inevitable, speaking of inevitability, that you start talking about the space when you're talking about crypto and, and NFT. But the volatility is such that people have been asking me a lot about, is this is this a bubble? Well, what do we do? Is this a bubble? Is this, is, but what, is this a bubble? I, it, it, it's too volatile right now to even call it that. What right. this is, is a toddler who has suddenly stood up and is now sprinting across the living room. And it's my job to make sure to the best of my ability that the little fella doesn't fall down and, and hurt himself or break everything around him. But uh, the way we do that is we just have to be extraordinarily careful in our, in our programming to ensure that what we are bringing to market is top quality, is durable and amazing and epic, if you will, to, uh, to, to use the parlance of people in the space. But uh, that, that's a challenge. And it's now a full-time job for me. I've gone from in the past month being a specialist in IRL life art to NFT art. And that's going to be my focus for the foreseeable future. Um, I think it's really exciting and amazing. And the volatility thing, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's, there's so much material out there right now. There are other exchanges like Nifty Gateway who are cranking out material and do I think that those will be durable assets? I have no idea. Do I feel more confident in what we're bringing to market? Absolutely. And I think in the coming weeks, and maybe next week, there should be a really big announcement about what we're doing next. You will feel more confident and safe about the, the future of, of NFTs. So, so, so two questions for you. Um, did you have a good sense or any sense where the artwork 
would ultimately have or I'll say or trade in the end? And do you have an understanding of how the valuation was formulated ultimately in the end to get to that point? Yeah, good questions. Answer to the first one is emphatically no. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty obvious in how we marketed the artwork. We, we published instead of our traditional estimate range where you have a low and a high, we did a little bit of a winking riff on estimate on request, which is the only thing we ever publish other than an estimate range, estimate on request. And we reserve that category of estimate for the most prestigious objects and for the objects that we know are going to sell for a obscene amount of money. In this instance, estimate unknown was a play on that, but it was also a very self-aware way of leaning into the uncharted aspect of this this new uh, asset. So the bidding started at 100 bucks. Within eight minutes, we were beyond a million. We had 20 plus bidders from eight countries in just in that eight minute window. Um, it was like nothing I've ever seen before. My computer and my phones all looked like slot machines. But the most amazing aspect of, of, of all of those stats, the most amazing stat, is that only three of those bidders were known to us previously. So everybody else was brand new. So when you have an audience like that, who you're engaging with for the first time and who you are sort of meeting on the battlefield, as it were, you have no idea. You have no idea how high anyone's willing to go. I started to hear whisperings of $50 million from various corners of Twitter and Clubhouse and places where the denizens of the, the NFT world tend to hang out. And at first I thought that was insanity. And then I started to hear that number corroborated by other people in the space who are really well informed. And I started to feel uh, very nervous, frankly. We did everything we could to ensure that this enormous event went off without a hitch. And still, I mean, we had 22 million people watching the sale close. It's amazing that we didn't break the internet itself. I think we're our CTO is is confirming this now, but if it's true that those are really 22 million real people tuning in and not a de- denial of service hacking attack on Christie's, which it very well may have been, then that was the most watched live event in the history of the internet. So, I mean, amazing. I I never would have thought that that it would that it would go for 69 million. It's truly incredible. But where do I end with that? I mean, I can't go on and on about how amazing it's, it was. It, I mean, for sure, it, it's just, it's such a great story. It's so amazing. And, and it's amazing to feel like, you know, we're, we're, that we're all witnessing this inflection point in our society, quite honestly, with, with the technology and, and with artists embracing it. So, but if we could sort of bring it back a little bit to sort of where you used to be, which is the more kind of traditional, I guess, for lack of a better word, the traditional art market. So yeah, art you can hang on your wall. <laughs> yeah. Stuff that you can hang oh, on your wall. Those things. Yeah. Those your, things. Your foyer or whatever. Yeah. yeah the fungible, the fungible art. Yeah. Fungible stuff. So uh, I guess the idea is, is there, is there some sort of connectivity or some sort of influence that you think the emergence of this new perhaps collecting category or this new part of the art market will influence the more traditional? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you can imagine my inbox has been flooded every day with hundreds of requests for me to, you know, assess NFTs. And many of them are coming from established fine artists who want to get in in the game. It's, 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 uh, there's, there is a strong sense of FOMO out there right now. Mm -hmm. So fear of missing out. And 
I think that probably the people who were bidding on people, it is very obvious to me, and I know this from, from the conversations I've had with these folks, they don't have any interest in, in traditional contemporary art. They don't care about Jeff Koons or Damien Hurst or even Basquiat or, or Herring. When I told Mike after the sale that Mike is Beeple, Mike, Beeple, Mike Winkleman, I, from, from here on out when I say Mike, I mean Beeple. Um, when I texted him after the sale, do you know this makes you the third most expensive living artist at auction? You're bigger than Gerhard Richter. He wrote back, who's that? And I sent him like a screenshot from Gerhard Richter's and he was like, yeah, that looks like scribbles to me. So this is the new audience we're working with. They don't really have any kind of interest in that holy tree of life that makes art history with all of its crazy branches and leaves and offshoots and roots. Like that is not of interest to them. Digital art and crypto art and NFT based art is a primordial soup that is nearby that tree. And people basically popped out of it out of the blue and is now crashing through all the branches. It's a totally different universe. Amazing. So interesting. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this doesn't diminish that. It just brings a new art form to, to, to bear and to light for you know more people to enjoy in a different way that's what i'm hoping yeah for sure for sure for sure so actually so we have a uh, we have a question coming in from the q a and it's actually directed at for you cynthia and it says are you concerned cynthia Sachs, that the line between collecting artwork and trading securities has been crossed with this sale and actually noah davis this would be a question that that uh, quite honestly, I'm sure that you would have a view on as well. Um, no, I mean, I'm not concerned about it. I think it's a healthy evolution of a market, particularly for the art market. So what I think is healthy is the bringing to bear the, this blockchain technology that Noah's been focusing on behind the NFT, right? So I would say that, you know, this blockchain technology for us is very, very important because the blockchain really um, solves two major issues in the in the art market that's been of high risk in terms of you know owning art or lending into art, which is authenticity and title. Those are two binary issues that are always difficult to solve for, and that there are new technologies here, new platforms, new businesses. Uh, one of the blockchain companies that's you know the leading is, is Artery, and we are super excited to see them um, be a part of all of this and be a platform for new artworks and old artworks to be registered and ultimately solidify, as Noah was saying, and memorialize title and authenticity, because now you have confidence in a market. And if you have confidence in a market, you can turn that market into a much more sophisticated product, also create a credit market behind it, and that will grow the art market, right? And so this is a massively positive, positive step and one that probably has taken quite too long, quite frankly, for uh, this, this industry. Um, but I'm really excited to see it. And I think it's only going to help the market be healthier because not just the new artworks that are digital will go on the blockchain, but the older artworks will as well as collectors step up and put their artworks on the blockchain or the new artists then put their artworks on the blockchain. And hopefully then a revenue stream will come back to them as it keeps on trading through the blockchain and is memorialized that way. And they can actually garner some revenues from it. And that's healthy for them. So yeah. all around, I think it's healthy. I mean, it, that's the, really the answer. Yeah, that, that, that last point that you touched on is, I think, really important. So there's a, there's a notion of, or, or well, the advent of smart contracts, which are enabled by DAO technology. Um, it's, a, it's a sort of blockchain NFT adjacent 
thingamajig. Um, but what it allows for is basically a automatic enforcement of an artist's resale royalties. So when NFT-based artwork changes hands and the value gets greater and greater, the artist is always guaranteed to receive a cut of that difference. And that's a really, really, really revolutionary and empowering thing for artists. I believe that smart contracts are going to become the norm across creative industries. We are in the midst of, at Christie's, even learning how to make them. It's really a watershed moment and a paradigm shift. I think especially that aspect of NFT and blockchain is 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 huge. Yeah, yeah so interesting. Yeah, you know, we've gotten a number of questions, uh, Noah Davis, on... on um, People are wondering, where, where can I learn more about, about this? Um, people just are, are so fascinated with the concept, with the idea, with the development. Um, where, where uh, aside, from, aside from calling your, your, your mobile number. Yeah, how, please, please don't do that. Don't, nobody do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Where, where can they go for, for learning about this world? I would say start with CryptoPunks. If you're if you're unfamiliar with CryptoPunks, uh, they are the first um, NFT-based art project, really the first legitimate and important NFT-based art project. Uh, people in the space would call them OG. But LarvaLabs.com, uh, it's a duo. These two designers they've created a couple of projects. But if you go to LarvaLabs.com and you click on CryptoPunks, it's an amazing primer not just for the collectible category of, of CryptoPunks, but also for how blockchain works and the kind of transparency that blockchain allows for. It's an art project, right? There are 10,000 of these CryptoPunks. They're basically little cute avatars. They are all 24 by 24 in, 20 inch. See, here I am talking about the real world. They're 24 by 24 pixels. <laughs> and every one of those pixels it's a functional simplicity. Every one of those pixels is written into the Ethereum blockchain. So it removes that metaphorical layer I was talking about earlier, where the image is a metaphor for the NFT and vice versa. In this sense, the CryptoPunks, the NFT is the artwork. The, the image is just a facsimile of what is contained inside of the NFT and the metadata. But these guys are, are super cute. They're very collectible. They were generated by an algorithm. There are male, female punks. There are black, white, Asian. There are apes. There are aliens. There are uh, zombies. And uh, amongst all of these various types, there's also what's known as the featureless punk, who doesn't have any accessories or any distinguishing characteristics. And for that reason, <laughs> interestingly, is the most coveted. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. What's amazing about the CryptoPunks website, you know, there's 10,000 of these guys. They're non-fungible. There'll never be more. There'll never be less. You can see via the ledger, right, the decentralized ledger, you can see every single person who has ever owned one of these punks by clicking into the punk. You can see exactly how much they paid for it and when. You can see where they moved around and whose wallet they went to. There's a whole leaderboard of the most expensive punks ever. Right now, the, the, in the wake of Beeple, a couple, or in the lead up and in the wake of Beeple, a couple of punks have sold for more than $7 million a piece in Ether equivalent. But these things were free when they were released. When they were released, there were 10,000 of them. And if you had an Ethereum wallet, you could pluck them and keep them. They were yours. Uh, but people have been trading them on the platform 
for a couple of years now. I think that the project was started in 2017, but it really is an amazing rabbit hole to dive down because you can start clicking through and seeing this universe reveal itself to you. All of the information is there, literally all of it. You couldn't, there's nothing hiding, nothing squirreled away. It's all right there and above board. And that is amazing. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, what, what you're describing is something that is sort of, you know, it's like the dream of provenance researchers, right? I mean, imagine your, your colleagues, Noah, in, in the old master pictures department or impressions or anywhere thinking, you know, well, where was this picture for the hundred year gap? But in, on the blockchain, it, ostensibly it will all be there. So yeah. Cynthia, I mean, this must make, <laughs> I'm guessing this must make you very excited as a lender in terms of uh, the research that Athena needs to do um, to understand provenance, to understand the ownership, the title of, of, of these assets is, is very important, right? So you can yeah. sort of uh, give us, give us an idea about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, we're we're living, you know, at least up to today, you know, in the world of um, provenance research. So in order for us to lend against an artwork, we have to go through that very manual, arduous process of literally going to libraries, right? The MoMA, the Frank, et cetera, opening up books and catalog resumes. Some, is, some are online, some aren't. I mean, I sound so archaic right now. I can't even believe I'm saying this. And we know you're putting me to shame a little bit here, but it is true. We have to do a deep dive on all of this, you know, in the proper, you know, literature, I'll say. Uh, and we have uh, on staff and we use experts to do this on every single artwork that we take in as collateral. So that's obviously takes time, effort, money, clearly an enormous of time. And so now with the evolution of blockchain and memorializing in this form, all of that from the origination of the piece through, you know, primary market, secondary market, you know, various trades throughout that time um, and certifying in the end that this artwork does have clear title and it's credible and valid. I mean, that's a major value prop, right? For the asset class. And for art lenders, right? So my expectation is that artworks that are on the blockchain and they could be new or old, right? Just get them on the blockchain, get them validated, go to artery, right? Get it done are going to be way more valuable over time. Exponentially, they will grow in value over time versus ones that haven't been put on the blockchain. And that's just something you either have to do if you have existing works and kind of come up with your paperwork and validate that through, through artery as an example, or if you're a new artist and you're creating something new and you're a primary dealer, go ahead and register immediately, right? And then keep your keep track. And as Noah was saying, you'll then be able to start having a royalty stream, you know, come off of your artwork as it trades through time. And that's super powerful. So this is a majorly powerful moment in the art market, not just because Beeple sold for 70 million, because Honestly, who knows? Maybe if it's sold tomorrow, it might sell for a dollar, right? We don't know. I mean, hopefully not, Noah. But, but what it is saying is there's massive confidence in NFTs because of blockchain, and this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. And it really is. And, and I think over time, right, as, as a lender, in a much more conservative way, we will be able to you know, benefit from this over time as we get more comfortable with it. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, this is so interesting for, for, for me and I, I would love to continue the chat on and on and on, but I want to be mindful of your time. 
And so I'm, I'm afraid, actually, we're, we, may, we may have to leave it there, given the amount of time that, that we've been chatting. We're just about out of time, but I really want to thank you both, especially you, Noah, because I know that the, the, the world wants to know about what you know uh, these days. <laughs> And so thank you very much for, for, for taking the time. And also, of course, Cynthia, thank you as well. And thanks to all of you for logging in uh, and taking an interest in our market and these fantastically interesting developments that are going on. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say, please be sure to visit yieldstreet.com to learn more about the offerings. Be well, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Yield. For the latest updates on the alternative investing space, go to yieldstreet.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts as this will help other investors like yourself find our show. If you have any questions, please visit us at yieldstreet.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. The Yield Street podcast you just heard only reflects the opinions of the host, who is an associated person of Yield Street and does not necessarily reflect the views of Yield Street or any of its affiliates or other associates. The podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be and should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any security and is not an offer or sale of any securities or investment product. The podcast is also not a research report and is not intended to be and should not be construed as investment advice. Support for this podcast comes from Yield Street. Trying to time the stock market can lead to regret. At Yield Street, our alternative investments are designed to create predictable secondary income streams, providing you with tools to help put your money to work immediately. These investments in asset classes like art, real estate, and legal finance typically have low correlation with the stock market and target annual yields up to 7 to 10%. Welcome to the next generation of investing. Welcome to Yield Street. Sign up today at yieldstreet.com.